0: The Watch Pod is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead, Goodyear, more driven. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of The Watch Pod. Here in the bubble with Denver Nuggets, President of Basketball Operations, Tim Connolly and the architect of this Nuggets run into the Western Conference Finals They'll play the Lakers beginning on Friday. Great conversation with Tim Connolly. Stay with us. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand slams, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it. They won't find a satellite dish, but you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call one 800 Directv tv or visit com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Here with Tim Connolly, the President of basketball operations with the Denver Nuggets, the conference finalist, Denver Nuggets, who get ready to play now the Lakers, uh, for a chance to go to the NBA finals. Tim first, congrats. And I, I saw you in the moments after you're sitting right you're sitting right in front of me for where we sit and watching those last seconds tick down. What what goes through your mind when you think of where you started in 2013? With this organization, where it was when you took over and then to sit there and look out on the floor, see the coach you hired, see the players you drafted, see the organization you put together, beat the Clippers and now be, you know, in the final four of the NBA playoffs.
1: It was a really neat moment. I felt so fortunate to be surrounded by so many talented people. Um, You know, we came a long, long way certainly as you can attest, we're sitting in the bubble as we speak. This whole thing has been surreal. Um the NBA has done a fantastic job logistically and, and keeping it safe and, and really allowing us to put a good product out there. But it's just you know, you think about how difficult it is to to reach the conference finals. Um all the tribulations trials and tribulations along the way. You think about how great it'd be if, you know, my wife and kids were there. Um, you know, they're such a huge part of this. And it's it's You know, I didn't really feel confident until maybe we're up 20 with two minutes to go. You know, last year we had a game seven. We had a big lead, unable to hold it. But when it kind of kicked in, it it was certainly a a really neat feeling, and especially relative to how challenging this year has been and and, um, how unique the circumstances are. And I've said it a million times, we have really, really, really good people, and it makes it that much more enjoyable because the guys and girls we work with are are special people.
0: I I want to... We're going to talk about the team, but tell me in that moment that sort of the dichotomy of, and I've almost every coach and players and executives, there's two emotions. Listen, you're there, you're here to win and you want to win and you guys are committed to winning. But if you don't win, it also means you get to go home and you know, your kids are excited that you're coming home. Your wife's excited. Although they, you know, listen, they want you to, what's it like in that moment to go, We won. And in a normal circumstance, you'd be able to share it with your family because they go through all this with you, all the travel, all the time away, all the times when you're home but you're not really home because you're on the phone. Does that hit you? Did that hit you in the at the end of the jazz series, and then again last night with the Clippers? Does that that land differently now? It certainly did. Um, Again, so
1: so excited last evening. Then afterwards, we went, sat down as a team, had some pizzas, uh, a couple, you know, had a couple beers, just talked about how we got here. And then you get re- very, you know, reflective on how, how I got here. Um, you know, we, we had some really dark days, took over a team that went 58. And in short order, we really struggled. And, um, you know, I always try to be optimistic and positive, but there were some dark days there. <laughs> and, you know, the person who saw those dark days, I, I try not to bring any negative energy to work. But, you know, my wife sees it. So she knows what we went through. There was days when I'm sitting in my basement and um, I'm saying, God, this, that, at least I got a swing at the bat. You know, I got a, I got a chance to do it. It didn't go well, (laughs) you know. Um, I tried hard, and I think I could still get a director scouting job here and, um, you know, always trying to be very honest of where we were. So, you know, seven years later to to think we're a team that, um, you know, last year I thought we had a a strong show in the playoffs. This year we take that next step. Um, You know, we're young. I think we're set up to be a team that can enjoy sustained success. Um, the patience that Josh has allowed, me and Mo has allowed us to develop. I mean, everyone talks about the development of players, development of front office as well. You know, I've been able to get better. Every, you know, Mo's now coached 28 playoff games. That's big time. And he's getting better and better. He was masterful in his last years. He's like the new Rudy T. He's great. You know, he's just, and our staff is fantastic. And, you know, someone's going to be really, really smart to hire Wes Hunsell. And then David Adam and Jordy Fernandez right behind him. Um, So it's, Certainly, all those things. Uh, you know, last night I took a walk, didn't really sleep, watched our game two more times, um, took a walk, and it's it's pretty wild. And it's hard not to be reflective in this environment because there's nothing else to do. You know? um, so certainly it's a litany of emotions, primarily positive. But I have a four and five year old, I've never been away from my daughter for more than seven days. And you know, when I was single or without kids, I'd, I'd go on a month long scouting trip in my sleep, and I'd go to Europe for 40 days and not look back. So. Um, I wish the, all our families were here to celebrate with us because they're the backbone of all this. And um, it's, again, really, really neat, but it's, it's not what we envisioned, you know, uh, when we think what this season started as. We, it would have been even sweeter doing it in Staples Center, or Pepsi Center, and really
0: enjoying the moment. When you talk about those early days, and I remember talking to you right around your first draft in 2013, and you took over a playoff team that was, that had probably peaked, and needed to be reshaped, and then, you would soon do the sign in trade for Iguodala, and he'd go to Golden State. At, I guess that was after the first season, right? That was right when I arrived. Right when you yeah. arrived, that first yeah, right, Andre ended up Golden State. And so, when you sit and you 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 got hired from New Orleans, you were an assistant GM there, and you come in and you look at, especially, and I don't think people appreciate this part of it. Especially in the Western Conference, when you're at the bottom in the West and you're looking up, like there is a lot to climb over just to get, like within yelling distance of the eighth seed. What is it like at that point when you're you're trying to figure out what is the pathway? How do how do we do it here?
1: Well, I think I did a a poor job trying to, you know, keep one foot in, one foot out. Um, it, it's Inherited team that, again, had a fantastic season in the previous year. We had a lot of change, uh, new front office, new coaching staff, um, departure of Andre, um, injuries to Gallo. So I think when I got there, you know, you try to maintain that level because it's such a proud franchise. They were used to being in the playoffs. You know, Masai did a great job. Um, So you try to do that. It doesn't work out. And then probably the most liberating moment was – when you're looking at it, no, it's not working out, and it's, you know, it's my fault. It's not working out. You say, you know, what, let's. This is the way we're doing things is probably not reflective of how I told myself I would do things if I was ever fortunate enough to get a job. And at that moment, sitting there with our tourists and, you know, Ben and Jared and those guys and Tommy and Josh, it was kind of a. It was a neat moment. Like, look, let's try to do it the way that we think might work. We know we'll enjoy. It's gonna. It's gonna be. You want to try to find talented guys that are undervalued, guys that maybe have a chip on the shoulder, guys that want to be in Denver. It's a really, really great city. I mean, we want to find guys that we don't have to kick and scream to bring, bring to Colorado. And then we got really lucky. Some of those guys turned out to be Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. You know, and we were able to sign Paul. That was huge. But you're going down the list, we have fantastic guys. Thankfully, they're also
0: very good players. The pathway of we're going to try to build this through the draft and we're going to, you know, essentially take a team that was sort of maybe a borderline playoff team in reality and we'll move some guys out and we'll let some contracts expire off and, and we'll do it. Was that for you like the the more comfortable direction of going? Because, because that's where I think you built your reputation was scouting and then the draft player personnel. Did it start to feel like this for me is... I don't know all the parts of the job. I'm going to get better at all of them, but I know this part of it. And and this is this gives me the best chance to get this thing going.
1: Well, I say it all the time, I'm a, a scout with an elevated title and an elevated salary. And I think if you don't know players it's dangerous. You know, you, you don't want to be in the room with with guy with all the scouts and not be conversational not be topical. Uh, we had like we had a great 2-hour scout call yesterday. It was fantastic just talking about the draft um and I never want to be that guy and say, hey, tell me about this guy. Tell me about that guy. You know, I, I need to know those players. So I think when Josh essentially empowered us to say, Hey, this isn't working out, let, let's, let's change up. Let's change let and see what we can do. Um, it was certainly liberating. And you never know the drafts, such a crap shoot. I mean, we, we've hit a lot and we've had monstrous blunders. You know I mean? the I've messed up more than, a, than I've gotten it right. But, we kept telling ourselves the goal is to win games. You know, we talk, there's so many ways to analyze success of a team. And I th- think at times it's become overwhelming with the analysis, but the ultimate metric is winning. So we say, okay, We're going to miss, we're going to miss, we're going to miss. How do we win games? And I think some of the ones you hit, some of the ones you miss, there's butterfly effects. There's, um, if you pick this guy, you win a couple more games, you don't get that guy or vice versa. And you drive yourselves nuts with that I was driving myself nuts with that. But, each year seeing us make the progression of winning games um certainly empowered us more and i think as we saw that slow progression specifically um you know when nicola jamal gary will um th- those young guys and then when the politician just you know made us valid um, he brought so much toughness and, and veteran leadership and um, guys like Mason off the bench, who's fantastic, just an A plus teammate. Um, you start to feel like, all right, maybe, maybe it's working. You know, you don't know if you're going to make the Western Conference Finals, but you start to see we're we're a tough out. We're, we're a team that looks like it's trending in the right direction, and you start to, you know, you never. I don't think you ever want to be too dogmatic or too tied to you know a system or a culture or an ethos. I think I, I think uh, a lot of people get in trouble when they do that. But we certainly start to feel good about um, we're getting, getting some right. These guys know how to win, and they're reflective if we want to be both on the court and off the court.
0: Tim, you resisted the temptation at some different points. When you have really good young players like you do, teams who are moving veteran stars, they want to talk when it's time to move a player. They want you in the trade conversation. So they see a Jokic. They see a Jamal Murray. Um, I don't even know if they're going to call you on Michael Porter, um, given where you are. But when they see the young players you have, you get the calls. And like we, you know, whether it's, I mean, I'll say, you know, they, like whether it's like the Paul George, Jimmy Butler, in different years, Kevin Love. And you, you have the conversations, you talk. But in the end, I think, right, you decide either, I believe in the guys that I have, or I'm going to try to shortcut this and move off of them. And hey, that guy could get us, maybe he can get us, you know, a top four or five, you know, get us a four or five seed. Maybe you can get us a home playoff series. Maybe you can get us to the second round. You resisted all of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not easy. We've had some really, really talented guys. You know, teams have called us and offered re- really talented players. Um, I actually oftentimes joke with Jamal and I say, you yeah, know, you better be pretty good because we said no to this guy, that guy, this guy. I think ultimately you got to be – flexible you know it's, you, you got to accept the fluidity of our marketplace but i don't think you if you're really really believe you got to believe and you have to you know there's so many cliches you see the forest that she tree, trees all this these, these these are kids and if they have work ethic and they have you know a fiber that you a competitive fiber that you can trust and they're talented and you're going to allow them to play through mistakes um we th- think these guys could develop to who they are today i mean i didn't see nicola being this um you know the biggest fan of his in the world but what he's playing at a, you know, a hall of fame level but it's i also i think you have to if you're committed you can't be scared of you know missing those baby steps like you, i think you referenced when you start skipping steps it's not a bad thing because just again just about winning games however you get there it doesn't matter whether you draft or whether you sign whether it's 15 new faces a year but I think when you saw how these pieces starting to fit together it, it felt like it was making sense and then we were validated by the great job the Mo was doing watching with the win total rise every year I mean we were devastated a couple years ago game 82 in Minnesota mm-hmm. devastated and the next year we were able to and Have a great season, go back to the playoffs, win a, a round, lose in game seven in a, a riveting series with a really good Portland team. Um, we were able to add Michael in that draft. So it's – I think um, if you pull the trigger on some of those trades, and who knows, it might have been – we might even – who knows how they would have worked out. You never know. But we were pretty, pretty committed to the, the core guys, and we felt like we were on something.
0: Your coach Mike Malone, what have you seen the the growth and and his handling of being down three one once, being down three one against, and really coming into the bubble when you had guys back in Denver at home. You did not. Your team was coming here in pieces. It was like a, you know, like how like a AAU team assembles at a tournament, right? Guy comes in, a couple more guys come, and like you're trying to get everybody in town. It was a little bit. Uh, More so than I think any of the other especially among the contenders. What's the growth you've seen in him? Just in these last couple months
1: He he was dealt such a difficult hand we had you know, Don't want to go into specifics of who had who who was affected by the virus, but I I think there wasn't another team that was more affected by the virus Um, We came down here with one guard and seven bigs That was a team for several weeks Um, you know, into
0: the seeding games. Were you were you proud of that? Remember the graphic I think TNT yeah, it was put awesome. up it
1: was awesome. of your
0: it. right what was it? The graphic of your starting five was Mason, it Yokic?
1: Yeah. Nicola Jokic, uh, Paul, Jeremy And Bull Bowl? Yeah, I maybe mean, I, mean, I was I, I love it. <laughs> Bull point
0: guard, your seven foot three point guard. Somebody's
1: got to make that T shirt. That'd be a great t shirt. <laughs> so, I think it's the playoffs are you know, it's Guerrilla Warfare, you know, to steal a, a turn from Calvin Booth. So the ability to be flexible and say, okay, I have to adjust um, is is a necessity. And Mo and his staff have done just a masterful job. When we got down here, it wasn't – I'm sure it wasn't fun practicing with Troy. Troy Daniels and seven bigs. But um, I think we challenge each other collectively to come down here with a smile on our face. It's already going to be hard. We're all going to be away from our family. It's going to be an environment that none of us have ever seen and hopefully we'll never see again. What we can't do is make it drudgery. You know, we can't treat it as if a training camp. We can't um, have these guys dreading going to the gym. And uh, Mo and his staff did a great, great, great job. And I think that's continued into the playoffs. We're down three-one. There wasn't. There wasn't a work. You know, we're still playing the board games at night. We're still taking walks, riding bikes. Um, I, I think the uh, casual is the wrong term. I think our guys are laid-back guys, and I think they're most effective when they're having fun. And I think it's been evident, when, especially with uh, Joker, when he's having fun, there's a joy to his game. He's, he's about as good as anybody in the world. Um, and I, I think we've seen that. I think, quite frankly, I think it's been a huge part of what's allowed us to dig out of two really big holes.
0: I thought what was really interesting, you talk about kind of the growth of your team and who they are. And, you listen, guys are going to show who they are in big moments. And you guys get in the Utah series and you get down. And Jamal Murray almost single-handedly brings you back in that series. And for the first time, people who had watched your team saw somebody other than Joker really being the dominant force. And you've seen since then, he's come back, and then he, he played, obviously, a significant role in this series. But you never got a sense in one moment, Tim, that Jokic was resentful, that he thought anything other than, like, my guy is, like, He's becoming, he's reaching another plateau as a teammate, as a player. He's saved us. Not every guy who's a first team All NBA guy, the way Joker is, responds the way he did to all the attention and everything Jamal was getting.
1: All Joker cares about is winning and having fun. Those two things, and and I think they they go hand in hand for with him and with our team. And those two have grown up together. You know, they've they get in, in their little spats, and it's great. I mean, I, I think it's hilarious. Uh, I think. Nicholas said uh, last night, like, we're like a, like a couple, and they are. And couples bicker, and they challenge each other, and they get on each other, um, all behind closed doors, and then they help each other. They have each other's backs. And, you know, they're not always the sexiest or prettiest duo, but I don't know if there's a better two-man duo in the league late game. Uh, their, their clutch numbers are ridiculous. Uh, their ability to play off each other and just kind of free-flow basketball is – you know, is something I've never seen and they know how much they need each other and it's really fun to see two guys who are superstars. I am no doubt about it. I mean, Nicola was and what Jamal's done, you know, he, he's certainly earned that moniker. They're the two most laid back in the, guys in the world. Like, when I flew over to Sombor for, for his contract, I think I've told the story, it was, let's walk down the street. Cool. Well, you know, again, I'd be on a private jet to Ibiza or something that night. <laughs> um, you know, went out to a, village uh a bar in a village with the brother it was great uh flew last year to kitchener to hang out uh with jamal and his family and got to roger murray's dad's a great guy he's become a a good friend great mom his little brother lamar is awesome so same thing just sitting in a you know a house roger's a really good cook he's jamaican made some you know he made some jerk chicken he made some plantains he made um some curry and then you know we're trying to figure out how to print the contract on their scanner upstairs and then from there we went to play I'll, I'll ruin the school I think we went to play like pick up at I think Waterloo University or something like it's not what I would expect if I was given a contract with over 100 million dollars but exactly who those guys are and it's really really neat and we're fortunate that fame hasn't impacted them and again they just want to work hard have fun and win a lot of games.
0: My sense is your guys don't have any guys. You don't have guys who you got to – listen, I understand how – you know how it works in a league. You have a great player, and then, like, you got to hire some of his guys. Like, I don't see any of those guys on the Nuggets payroll. It's a different – it looks different than what I usually see in the Final Four of this event.
1: Yeah, I mean, everyone's different, and, you know, there's – shoot, we've – we're only in the conference finals. We we have higher expectations for ourselves, and who knows where it goes starting Friday. But um, we have a pretty laid back approach to how we build, how we work, and it's kind of a leave your ego at the door. We don't want you know less is more. Let's we're gonna have really good and open relationships, which are gonna allow us to say some not so nice things at times. But and you can say those not so nice things back to me. Um, but uh, again, when when your best players. Our, you know, Jokic and Murray and Paul, those guys are very, very low-maintenance guys. And um, it's, it's refreshing, it's neat, and it, I think it's helped bring our team even closer because, you know, essentially it's just us.
0: There's a moment I remember at uh, All-Star Weekend in, I lose track of years now, it feels like I've, we've been in here for years in the bubble, um, Charlotte. Uh, you agreed to a contract extension. I think it was reported that day. And we were at a restaurant. There was a big group of front office guys and you and I were at the same, there was a big table and a bunch of like your um, colleagues around you. And uh, Nicola was eating dinner in the restaurant and I think he had gotten word of the extension and he came back and looked for you and found you and like gave you a big hug. Um, And I just think that what you guys have is pretty, I think there's a, you know, I think he knows what you've meant to him. You drafted him. You brought him there. He's probably exceeded even his wildest dreams and what he's done for your career. Um, you, you don't always see those moments in in the NBA.
1: No, I mean, I, we had some fun moments last night too. Um, thankfully, there's no cameras. Uh, <laughs> not a lot of rhythm was on display last night. <laughs> Tried to teach us a, a, a sambor dance move. It was hilarious. But uh, it's all these things don't work unless you win. And so it, the story's they they sound cool because we're winning which is fantastic but i enjoy relationships and i you know, you know strahi and Nemanya, his brothers are good friends of mine um they they you know they send me a great facetime Nemanya just had his first child vuk and they're sending facetime dancing it's not and they're not friends of mine because it's nicole's brothers i mean i developed that relationship when nicole was playing in mega and like these guys are cool i like these guys um so the relationships that you build develop on the way, and, and they can't be transactional. They can't be based on like I think this guy's be really good, so let me become friends with the brothers. You know, um, that part makes it really, really, really fun. Uh, without I joked uh, with Joker that I say we're moving. Uh, where where you moving to? I said, you know, told him the area. I said, don't worry, I'm putting a statue of you up. <laughs> oh, trust me. And I said Jamal, you keep playing like this, we'll put you up too. <laughs> I mean, it's 100% the house the Joker built with, house that Joker and Josh built. Um, it's, but again, it's, it's not transactional. I, I really, really like our guys. I really like a lot of guys that we've traded or, or you know, I, we made a midseason trade before game seven. I reached out to those three guys and uh, Wancho, you know, uh, Malik, Jarrett, like, Hey, we're not here without you guys. Um, where FaceTime will last night with a minute left, he's outside the bubble, you know, trying to rehab. So it's, it's not, I don't like him because they're good players I like them cuz they're good people and that makes the journey so much more enjoyable cuz it's such a small environment. If you're uh, again if if you only interact with people that can benefit you, it's going to be a really unenjoyable professionist. <laughs> you can attest man.
0: Uh Tim, there are, listen, some of it has been public. I think some of it's been reported on. I think some of it probably less so, but you've had chances in your time in Denver to field other offers, have teams call with interest that I'm pretty confident would have paid you more, might have been markets that uh, on some level, somebody might whether it's closer to home or whatever. And you've resisted, you've stayed in Denver. Um, Why did you stay?
1: Well, there's a lot of reasons, but I think primarily I enjoy the people that I work with and work for. Uh, When Josh gave me the opportunity, uh, I did not repay it initially. I didn't do a good job. Yeah, you went go from winning fifty eight to thirty in short order, and then he gave me an extension. I think just because he literally liked me as a person. <laughs> I don't think it was <laughs> merit based by any by any uh, stretch. So, you know, uh, again, I'm I'm really big in relationships, and I think it's important that when you when you find really 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 good people, it's hard to discount what that means. So I think um, you know I, I'm not here without josh i'm not here without mo I'm not here without uh, joker and jamal and wes and Taurus and all those guys and i don't take that for granted it's such a i can't believe I, I got this job it was dumb luck i got the job it's really dumb luck that i was able to survive after a rough start so i think sometimes um you know yeah it's it's again there's no right or wrong answers I'm just very fortunate that when I go to work every day, I enjoy it. Uh, Josh has become one of my best friends. I mean, we 90% of the time we're texting about stupid stuff, and then 10% of the time is business, and it's kind of fits my personality. You know, I'm not I, everyone will be shocked. I'm not the most formal of guys, <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm just again, he, he took a chance. The Cronky family's been great to my family, and when you see this thing growing. Um, and that's the other that's the other part of it you, you know you, you put all the hard work in and you see it starting to turn the corner and it's hard to leave something when you see the fruits of, of all your labor starting to really you know come to fruition
0: how much tim would you tell yourself that listen you you've been in the business you've been in the league you see like I mean, you came in today. We're doing the pod. You got a, you know, you got a t-shirt on. You got your a baseball hat on backwards. Great. What a New York's.
1: New Orleans Hornets t-shirt. This is great.
0: Oh, it's a horse. Yeah. King of the court. Right. Yeah. King of the court in the middle. New Orleans Hornets collector's item. It's a um, hipster
1: shirt from New Orleans.
0: <laughs> would you tell yourself that I don't have to change. I can be the same guy I was. And you come from this big family in Baltimore. There are Connellys all over basketball. There are Connellys in teaching and in um, public service around there and your brothers who work in the league. um, You probably would have taken a lot from them if they sensed you were. But the the idea that, like, I can be president of a team and still carry myself like I did when I was a scout.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. When I got this job, I had a bunch of people reach out to me who I knew but didn't know well, you know, and some of the advice was you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to talk to this person, you got to talk to that person. And it was all well-intentioned advice but it was completely not who I am um, and I, I think you again you have to be self-reflective and, and very honest with what's your best skills uh, you know I th- I'm pretty organized I'm not the most organized guy in the world um, I I'm obsessed with basketball I, I, I don't I've never had problems you know watching X amount of tape or going to games developing relationships I feel comfortable in a gym you know, I used to be on the court a lot I feel comfortable having conversations whether they're the positive or negative. Um, so I, I, when I got this job, again I, I scouted myself. What can I do? There's so many smart people in these various seats throughout the league, and in certain areas they're clearly superior to me. And how how can I start to kind of balance that competition? Where where can I find my strengths? And I think um, I don't have many, but uh, one of the few I have is I think I, I genuinely enjoy dealing with people. I like most people. There's not a lot of people I don't like. And I, I don't mind engaging people. I don't mind having discussions that aren't always going to be comfortable. I don't mind challenging guys. And because I was very fortunate to grow up in a very diverse background, um, my and my wife's friend groups looks like the United Nations. Um, all walks of life, all you know, economic, social backgrounds. So I've never really been uncomfortable. You know, I'm probably most uncomfortable when it's really formal. So if, if I don't think the league needs to be formal, you're dealing with a, a lot of young guys, a, a lot of guys that, um, you know, it's you go from having no money to being rich overnight. Um, so the chat, the challenge that comes with how do you ensure that you can get your message across? But again, I, I've used this term like six times. It can't always be transactional. So I think yeah, I, I heard that, and shoot, I'm I'd be lying to you if I told you when we're getting our – brains blown in you know (laughs) i thought maybe maybe i should go get a three-piece suit and um you know start speaking in quad symbolic words and (laughs) um but i I think ultimately it's almost when you look at how you form the team you try to do it as a reflection of yourself and this is who i am thankfully this is who josh has allowed me to be who Moses allowed me to be and it's far from perfect and i've had so many people who are way smarter than me around like our tours saved me 18 million times calvin's saved me Tommy, you know, Ben, you go down the list of guys. Um, But I I think um, you you have to be kind of who you are because if not, it's impossible to be anything close to happy.
0: Tim, when when it's not going well early and you're the leader and it's the first time you've been the leader of something like of an NBA team and everyone's looking to you every day and there's criticism, whether it's criticism from fans or media or – Whatever it is, how do you keep – how did you keep your confidence, your belief in yourself that you can work your way out of it? How much do you have to fight that every day when you're still young in the job and, like I said, trying to close the gap in a Western conference where it's, you know, it's like you're looking up a mountain?
1: I just told myself, and again, my, my wife saved me in this regard. I said, look, if I'm going to get fired, they're going to say, Tim worked his butt off. He was a great guy. Or good guy. Great guy sounds arrogant. Good guy. So, hey, he was always honest. He was always up front. He wasn't duplicitous. He wasn't wasn't doing things for himself at the expense of the organization. I have told myself at those darkest hours, say, "How is was Tim? He was a great guy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he, he had his struggles professionally, but he, he treated people with respect. I think people enjoyed working with him. I think um, that was the thing that kept me sane because if it's solely – Result-oriented, good luck. I mean, look where we are right now. We had a great series with the Jazz, and you know, one of the silver linings about this bubble is getting to know guys you didn't know well. I mean, I've always had so much respect for Dennis and Quinn and, and Justin and hanging out with David, then sitting there with Donovan and Joe and, and George Niang, just great guys. Johnny, you know, a guy I've been friends with a long time. So it's really, really neat to get to know these guys a little more than – and I've never spent any time with Donovan and – Hey, Donovan, you still have that, you know, Nuggets hat? You know, trying to make <laughs> yeah, light of you, it. you
0: right, you. It was a Denver pick that uh, yeah, Utah,
1: I, yeah, and then traded I,
0: up for and. I've, and I, you have to call in, right? Like, was it like Donovan Mitchell? And when you make a draft night trade, yeah, you, you call the pick it. In. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you know, it's you own it. How, how big a snafu that was, and uh, just a boneheaded move on my part. But it's the Mike Conley shot was down. I mean, it was down. It was. I think there was a picture our PR guy showed us with the balls in the rim, and I think Donovan has his hands up, and shoot. They could, they could have easily won that game. They fought their butts off, and they were fantastic. So if that shot goes down, what are we doing? Great. We're looking at our team. Oh, we don't have this, don't have that. Um, we played a game in New Orleans, I think in '80s first year. That was a eureka moment for me. We're playing the Celtics. I th- I'll probably mess up the details. and I do, I'm sure Monty will call me. But we're playing the Celtics, and – I think we're up 12 when the Celtics had, you know, piercing those guys, and it was going to be a huge win. And we sneaked out the win, and there was a, uh, there was a shot late that, you know, could have rolled in didn't roll in. And after the game, we spent, you know, an hour talking about why we won. You know, oh, that third quarter was great, or, you know, when we went on that run or we were blitzed to pick and roll, whatever it was. And I walked, I could walk home from the arena in uh, New Orleans. I said, that is, you know, it, it, it's ridiculous what we just did. If the ball rolls in, we're not talking about that right now. So, again, I think it's an overused term, but you got to be process-driven. You have to know that a bounce of the ball can change your entire career. Uh, And that Mike Conley shot didn't go in, and we wouldn't be sitting here right now. So I I think that's kind of liberating and makes you feel a bit better, just how little control you have.
0: What did you, Tim, when you think of as you tried to plan for the bubble and – Nobody knew. Nobody knew what this would be like. You saw it was conversations on Zoom call after conference call, after memo. What did you underestimate about the test for your team in this environment over this period of time about what the challenges would be? Was there anything you just, I didn't give that enough, or we we couldn't have known maybe how important that would be?
1: You know what? I don't think we gave enough forethought in the effect on the staff. No, I think we have a, a relatively young team. Not a lot of guys on our team have children. I think that, I don't want to say the word helps because everyone's dealing with different challenges. But we have a staff down here with you know, countless people with young kids. I think – and, you know, the staff's always the last one to, to – no one's asking, right. hey, hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> you know, I mean, this as the, as the visiting rules would suggest, <laughs> we, we were a bit of an afterthought. So – I think that's been really hard. Where we're always going to make sure that our players are fine. You know, they're they're the what's matters, right? They're 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 the product that allows us to win or lose games. But way too often we forget about hey, hey how are you doing? You know, you talk to a trainer, talk to assistant coach, talk to an equipment guy. I think that's been really challenging. And also, quite frankly, it was you talk about it and and you say, ah, I was just home for four months didn't travel. You know, how bad can it be? Mm-hmm. And it is, you can't complain because this is a beautiful hotel, the food's great, and we're, I'm watching the best players in the world. That's really cool. But when you get on FaceTime with your kids and they're crying because you won a game, that's a real moment. And that hurts. And it's, I, again, we're, we're not sacrificing anything. We're not, sacrifice is being in the military. Sacrifice is, you know, being a teacher. Um, but we certainly didn't sign up for this. And we have nothing to compare it to. There's no... There was no game plan for this, so I think there was a rah rah moment. We got down there; It was great. We get on the bus, and we have we have some great bus drivers. We have this real character, Tom from the Bronx. He's fantastic. He says everything twice, you know. All right, all right, everything, you know. Game seven, boys. Game seven, boys. And he, this is our first bus, and we're like kind of rah rah, and then it hits us. We put the masks on, and we get on these Disney Cruise Line buses, and we're like, good god, man, what are we doing? And we go onto the Disney. I don't know the Disney arch, yeah. and he goes, "Welcome to Disney." And <laughs> We're like, nobody wants to be at Disney right now, and it, there wasn't a, a laughter, there wasn't anything, and it, then we come here, and again, the NBA did a great job onboarding. The hotel's beautiful. It's just uh, there are these moments. Uh, I mean, I told you, I've walked, I think I've walked eleven miles already today, mm. and it's not because I'm trying to get in shape. It's I just can't sit in the room anymore. Um, so it's, there's these moments, like the euphoria of watching this young team and watching such a well-coached team advance to watch the conference finals against a, you know, Doc's a Hall of Fame coach. The Clippers are really, really, really good. We were very fortunate that, uh, you know, some of our shots fell. The euphoria sometimes quickly fades when you have the same burger for, you know, I have the same burger probably every other day mm-hmm. for 73 mm-hmm. days. And, all right, I'll FaceTime the kids again today and we'll watch – a Netflix movie, and I'll watch them, and it's it's something else. I, I, it's certainly something that that I can never do again. I mean, this, I'm a, a one time bubble guy. I can guarantee that.
0: Yeah, I hope I hope we all are. Um, Denver Lakers Western Conference Finals starts. I don't know what day of the week it is. Tim. Friday. Friday. What's today? Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. Yep. Starts Friday. Tim, congrats again, and um, thanks for jumping in. You you may be our most like all-time record, Woj pods.
1: Because I always say yes. Have, I'm I'm easy to book. <laughs> Especially hey, you we can do a daily pod if you want. I mean, I got. Let, let's. It's either me walking or me coming over here.
0: Well, we could do a second part of our wrestling. We there 80s wrestling. I pod. would lo-
1: I would love to do it. Anybody out there who want to do any 80s wrestling, 90s wrestling? Please call me. I mean, the is gone now, so we can't do a boxing pod. You know? but <laughs> but the it's you know anything to break up bubble monotony.
0: Well, Tim Connolly, the Nuggets, will be here for at least another 10 days. So send your wrestling, send your 80 wrestling magazines. Yeah. Uh, ring
1: Magazine Well, not ring. Johnny Rods,
0: Jose Estrada, tag <laughs> yeah. team um, bobbleheads. Send them, send them to the bubble. I watched, I couldn't sleep after game
1: five. I watched the uh, Jake the Snake documentary again. I <laughs> really did. And you want to feel, not not the redemption one, the original one. You want to feel better about yourself. And that doesn't sound right. But if you want to, know how your lot in life is probably better than some. Watch that first Jake oh, I, the Snake I saw the documentary. That one.
0: That's, that's a real uplifter for like three in the morning in the bubble. That That'll, is yeah.
1: up there with leaving Las Vegas.
0: is <laughs> a feel-good story. All right, Tim, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. Be sure to listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod. Wherever you get your pods, also be sure to catch the latest low post with Zach Lowe the hoop collective with Brian Winters and of course the SVP pod with the great Scott Van Pelt we'll be back with you again soon here from the bubble stay safe